Welcome to episode 343 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here as always. And guess what? I know if you're a you're a fan of Black Star Riders or Brother Kane or just Damon Johnson in general, and you're like, dude, you've had 340 plus episodes and he's only been on here five times. We need to get him a sixth time because those five times, that just don't satisfy me. Well, guess what, friends? You're in luck because this episode features Damon Johnson for the sixth time. I'm happy to be able to say that. This makes Damon Johnson the most, what's the right word, consistent or most often guest on this podcast ever, even over some artists in our area we've had on quite a bit. There's been a you know a couple guys that have been on here five times, and Damon Johnson was one of those guys, and here we are now for the sixth. I think this makes you the the most frequent guest ever on this podcast. I have to have the, the <laughs> fucking trophy, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I'll make you one. <laughs> I'm honored. I'm honored. If you had told me when we started this podcast that nearly seven years later, the most frequent guest would be one of the musicians that I've loved for 30 years, I would probably be, well, well, I couldn't say 30 years because next year will be 30 years from whenever I found out about Damon Johnson, like the rest of the world that wasn't Alabama, because I'm sure those people knew a little sooner. But anyway, all that aside, Damon Johnson's back. And if you've been living under a rock, it's my turn to tell you, I guess, that Brother Kane is back as well. Finally, after about over 20 years, I think they broke up around, right around 2000. I didn't look up the exact date. It's hard to remember. Their their third album came out in 98, and they toured on it, and then that was kind of the end of it, and I think. So probably 99, 2000. The point is that it's been 22, at least 22 years and they recently announced the reformation, and they've announced two shows so far, with more shows to come, and music as well, which is very exciting. Damon Johnson is going to talk about all that stuff here in just a bit, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about my thoughts on all that. But first, got to let you know about some concerts coming up from DEB Concerts. Promoter based right here in Tulsa who has consistently brought in a lot of great acts over the last several years to this fine town here in Oklahoma. They brought in Saxon, Last in Line, Buck Cherry, Bisto Blanco, Snoop Dogg, Striper, Warrant. A very long list that keeps growing. I just mentioned Snoop Dogg and that's one of the upcoming shows here in just about a little over a week and a half. Snoop Dogg will be here in Tulsa two nights in a row at the BOK Center. Snoop Dogg, the Almighty Ice Cube, and Warren G. at the BOK Center in Tulsa on March 24th and 25th. BOKCenter.com for tickets. DEBConcerts.com for all the information as well. And then, a little over a month after that, April 30th, the Metal Tour of the Year comes to Tulsa. Megadeth, Lamb of God, and In Flames. Very cool lineup right there. I got to see the Metal Tour of the Year last summer in Dallas when it featured Megadeth, Lamb of God, Hatebreed, and Trivium. All those bands put on fine shows, so that'll be one you definitely got to check out. I haven't seen In Flames in several years, so very cool to see that they're coming to Tulsa as well. 
And then jumping forward into August, August 20th, Poison will be at the BOK Center, along with Tom Kiefer, the voice of Cinderella, and L.A. Guns. So look at that, three shows, technically four shows right there, coming from DEB Concerts with all different genres. So get on debconcerts.com for update info, BOKCenter.com for ticket info, and of course, we'll keep you up to date on any upcoming shows. The Rocklahoma lineup announcement should be coming in the next month or so. And that always features the Roadhouse stage, which DEB Concerts books themselves. And the last couple years have featured bands like John Five, Ace Freely, Lita Ford, Slaughter, Puddle of Mud, all kinds of stuff that they, that they bring to their stage at Rocklahoma. So we'll be bringing you that news as soon as well. We've also got Sunset Tattoo, a tattoo shop located in Midtown Tulsa. Their tattoos are done good and proper. They're state licensed. Most importantly, they are mother approved. 25 plus years of experience. You can see pictures of all this work on their social medias. Sunset Tattoo Tulsa on Instagram. The same thing on Facebook. Check out all those pictures. You can see that Jake is great at all different types of styles. I've had work done by him. I'm very happy. I know several other people that have as well. And I know that I'll have more work done by him in the future. So give Jake a call or shoot him a message to set up a time to talk about what work you need to have done. He also accepts walk-ins. So get on there and hit up Sunset Tattoo and tell him you heard about him here. We've also got Med Pharma Dispenser located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. 24683 East Highway 51. Right off the highway. If you call, text, or email ahead your order, you can pull in and go right through their drive-thru. A lot of dispensaries don't offer a drive-thru, so that's a big plus for MedFarm. Also, the biggest plus for MedFarm is that 30% of their proceeds at all times go to build no-kill animal shelters. That's a fine cause that you can't, you can't even dispute that. There's tons of dispensaries, tons of options around here, but that makes it worth driving an extra 10 or 15 minutes from wherever you're at in town to hit them up because 30% of what you pay at all times goes to build no-kill animal shelters. They are also always running specials, and one of their specials is if you mention Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order. Very cool. If you follow them on their socials, you can see other specials they have. That's MedFarm, P-H-A-R-M, on Facebook. Instagram is MedFarmOK. Their website is MedFarmOK.com, and you can see their entire selection at Leafly.com. So give them a call. Mention Thunder Underground. All right. Usually this is the point of the the episode of a podcast where I would talk about something else going on in the music world. And I know there's some other stuff, but there's nothing really jumping out at me that I really need to talk about right now. But I will mention before I start talking about Brother Kane and Damon Johnson that we've recorded quite a few episodes, a few here in the past week or so, along with Damon Johnson, and actually have a couple more scheduled upcoming. So, stuff's starting to happen, which is weird because all of the majority of April, I will be out of town working some music festivals. So, I'm not sure yet how I'm going to place this stuff throughout April. I know in the past, when I was gone a lot, me and Jason would record several, and then I would just set them up, you know, to be scheduled to be released weekly. But... The problem with that is I can't really 
promote them right. So it's it's hard to say if I'll, if I'll do that or not. But regardless, I'm going to get these episodes out here in the next few weeks before I'm gone. And then whatever's left will probably pop out in the middle of April or the very beginning of May. But we'll talk about that as it comes. That's irrelevant to right now. I recorded this interview with Damon Johnson. We also recorded an interview with Ron Kill, who you, of course, remember from the band Kill. He has been on this podcast before, came on in 2020. He's got the Ron Kill band now that he's been doing for many years. He was also a part of Steeler back in the 80s with both Mitch Perry and Ingve Malmsteen. And he's got an exciting project going on where he is recording new music. He's recording a new album called Kill World that's going to come out at the beginning of 2023. But it it includes brand new music that they're recording from Kill, Steeler, the Ron Kill Band, and a couple of his other more recent projects. Which is pretty cool because I can't really ever think of any artist that's ever done something like that or made that happen. Because it's not just him and the same band recording all the stuff. He's got Mitch Perry coming back from Steeler. He's got Mark from... Kill, you know, he's got the entire band lineups coming back together to record this stuff. So that's very cool. We talked about all that. Then, recorded an episode just yesterday with LeJean Witherspoon of Seven Dust. Longtime fan of Seven Dust since the very beginning in 97 when that debut album came out. One of my all-time favorite singers. So very glad to talk to him. That one will be coming soon. And then a few days ago, I recorded an episode with Ty Tabor, the guitarist of King's X, which is another one that I'm very excited to say. King's X is a band that I've loved since the early 90s, and I know it's one of those bands that Jason and I always talked about that we've got to get a member of this band on this podcast at some point. So I'm glad it finally happened. We're talking about his new solo album, of course, a lot of King's X stuff as well. That one will be coming soon as well. I've also got a couple more to be recorded soon. So I'll announce those when they happen. Because I don't like to announce stuff at a time. So that's some stuff to look forward to. What kind of... There's a lot of shows coming up. But I don't know what I'm going to. Like, man, tomorrow night in Oklahoma alone, we've got three wildly different genres going that I can think about at the top of my head. I mean, it's St. Patrick's Day in Oklahoma. I say tomorrow night. When this comes out, it'll actually be tonight. In Tulsa, you've got the option to see Dua Lipa, or have the fuck you say her name? The woman that was exposed live lip-syncing recently, like we didn't know, but it's just kind of funny to see when that happens. But that show will be opened by Megan Thee Stallion, who I am a big fan of, and I'm not afraid to admit it. Does she lip-sync? Probably. I don't give a shit. I think I think that is goes without saying. Okay, also tomorrow night, Blackberry Smoke is in Tulsa. And then down to Turnpike in Oklahoma City, Journey in Asia. Not Asia, excuse me. I said Asia because I was thinking Africa in my head because it's Toto. That tour originally also featured Billy Idol, but he had to drop off before it started. And I can't remember what the reason was, but which was a bummer because I thought that was a very cool spot for Billy Idol because... The guy's always doing tours himself, headlining, and he, you see him on festivals and stuff. But to see him on an arena-level tour as an opener, I thought was very cool. So hopefully Journey brings him out next summer or something. We've also got Slipknot in Wichita this Saturday. Slipknot in Tulsa next Wednesday. 
Slipknot in Durant, Oklahoma next Saturday. They're all over the place in this area of the country. They're also going to be in Little Rock, I believe, next Friday. So if you're wanting to see Slipknot in this moment and Wage War, there you go. Wage War replaced Ginger, in case you did not see that in the recent news. Ginger, of course, from Ukraine. So they rightfully pulled out of this tour as they are, I don't know if the entire band, I'm, the way I read it, they were in Ukraine whenever everything started happening. And like most Ukrainians, they said, fuck it, we're staying and we're going to fight this fight. So I don't know what the status of Ginger is or what they are actually doing, but, you know, bravo for them for doing what's right for them and their families and friends. Wage War is a good replacement for that bill. Slipknot Roadshow. What, next Wednesday, Steel Panther will be here in Tulsa. We've got... Let me think. I know there's some other stuff, but... Let's uh quit rambling about stuff that we can't remember exactly and start talking about stuff that we do remember, and that would be Damon Johnson. If, you, if you're one of those people that have listened to this podcast throughout the years... You know undoubtedly that I'm a big fan of this man. You know undoubtedly that Jason, when he was here, was also a massive fan. We talked about him in length even before we had him on the first time. The first time we ever had him on was episode 170, I think. And that was him with Ricky Warwick when the Black Star Riders were in Tulsa opening up for Judas Priest and Saxon. That same day we also recorded an episode with Biff Byford of Saxon. So that was a great day in the world of Thunder Underground. Plus, we got to see all three of those bands kill it on stage. Damon, of course, have, has since left Black Star Riders. There's no ill will there. He just left to focus on his solo career, which was very cool because these last two albums he's put out are exceptional. But the thing with Damon Johnson is that any point in his career... He doesn't put out stuff that isn't exceptional. So I should have pre prefaced this with some of the stuff I say might sound a little fanboyish, but I think, again, we've already laid that groundwork throughout the history of this podcast. Like I said, this is a sixth time on here. I wouldn't bring back someone six times that I didn't like unless it was someone like the singer of Five Finger Death Punch or someone that I think would get a bunch of hits, you know, from you know, news stories and whatever, but that's irrelevant. I'm saying this because I love this guy and I'm glad that he's been on here much. He's easy to talk to. He's always got a lot to say and it's always worth saying. A lot of people, there's some people that have a lot to say and they just talk in circles, but Damon Johnson always has great stuff to say. One of the previous five times he was on here was the Eddie Van Halen tribute episode we did in October of 2020, about a month after, or was about Two weeks, actually, after. Two or, two or three weeks after Eddie passed. I still say that's probably my favorite ever complete episode of this podcast because we pulled off an episode with 14 different guests. It's uh, over three hours. Three, three and a half hour long episode. And it featured 14 different people that we, you know, me and Jason talked, gave our thoughts about Eddie and Van Halen throughout the years. For a bit, and then we jumped into, you know, 5, 10, 15 minute excerpts from different people we talked to, which included, besides Damon Johnson, I mentioned Mitch Perry earlier, he was one of them. We had Mike Ariza 
from Healing the Fray and the Frank Hannon Band on here. We had, let me see, who else was on that episode? Why am I drawing a complete rank? Paige Hamilton of Helmet, Frank Hannon of Tesla, Robin McCauley, of course, of the Michael Schenker Group and Black Swan. Just a huge list of people, so check that episode out if you have not. And besides that, in the Black Star Riders episode, Damon's been on here three other times. Just talking in depth about his solo stuff, and there's usually always a Brother Kane question in there, or one or two, because since, like I said, we were both big fans. That goes back to that debut album, which we'll be celebrating its 30th anniversary next year. It's hard to believe it's already been 30 years. I remember when I first heard Got No Shame, I would have been 16 or 17 at that time. It just knocked me on my ass. From that intro into just that guitar riff, into just everything about the song. You know, it was everything I love about rock and roll, and it still is to this day, which my favorite band of all time is Guns N' Roses, and I'm a big fan of metal or hard rock that has a southern tinge to it. You know, when you look at bands like Corrosion and Conformity, for example, metal band that has some southern tendencies at times. Black Crows isn't really hard, hard rock, but their early stuff I would I would consider slightly hard rock. And of course, they've got the southern tinge to them as well. And I used to say this a lot. And I, I actually, I've never said this to Damon on the podcast. So if he's listening to it, I guess I'm saying it now. But I told Damon this the first time I met him, which was 10, 12 years ago. I don't remember the exact year. It's probably around now. 2012, before well before this podcast started, I went to a show in Ardmore, Oklahoma, a solo show, just Damon acoustically. Me and my ex went there, and it timed out to where it was like the night before we were going to drive to New Orleans to go to Mardi Gras, so we drove down to Ardmore and went to this show with Damon Johnson. And, you know, it got over after, you know, like a normal show does, probably around 11 or something. We got in the the vehicle and drove from Ardmore, Oklahoma to New Orleans right after the show all night long. So there's a random story for you, but that I met him at that show and I told him that the debut album to me, when it, it sounds like a cross between Guns N' Roses and the Black Crows. And that's, I think, why I immediately latched on to that thing. And I mean, I don't like to want to pigeonhole anything and say that's what he sounds like. I just got that from that first Brother Kane album. And of course, they kind of expanded as they went. And of course, Damon Johnson has as well. But he's got a very unique and recognizable voice. He's got a guitar tone that's recognizable that you've heard throughout his career. Whether it be with all the stuff he's done after, you know, he was Alice Cooper's guitarist for a while, which of course there he's playing Alice Cooper music, but with his original stuff after, he had a great album with Slave to the System, which also featured two members of Queensryche. It was basically two members of Brother Kane and two members of Queensryche. And then we had all his stuff with Black Star Riders. He's done a lot. He's had a few solo albums. That are all great. The last couple have been with the Get Ready. He's written tons of songs for all different kinds of artists. He's a fantastic songwriter. Man, this sounds like I'm trying to build up someone that doesn't need to be built up at all. But 
I'm just happy that Brother Kane is back because, like I said, it's been 20 plus years. And I always thought that, I know they, they've done like a reunion show here or there, I believe, in Birmingham, where they originated from. The first show announced in April will be in Milwaukee. And then there's another show in Chicago right after this at the end of April. But I always assumed that if Brother Kane ever did get back together for something like this, it would be for a run of shows. But they are saying that there's going to be music coming as well. And as you'll hear in this interview shortly, we talk about, is this Damon Johnson, who is he? are you still focusing as Damon Johnson to get ready and this is Brother Kane is just something on the side? Or is this looking to be a full-time thing? I'll let him answer that for you here in a bit. But just to be able to go live, I mean, you could go to a Damon Johnson show and he's going to play a few songs from Brother Kane. But to see a full set, you know, for me, songs like, you know, the classic songs that everybody knows, like Got No Shame, Hard Act to Follow, That Don't Satisfy Me, and Fool Shine On, Lie in the Bet I Make. But to hear songs like How Long, my favorite all-time Brother Kane song, Woman, another one of my top two or three Brother Kane songs, The Road. Also, I absolutely love Breadmaker. Voice of Eugenia, 2020 Faith, Wishpool, the title track to that album, Mirrorball, Machete. You know, there's just so many great Brother Kane songs that I'm very excited. And I hope that throughout their touring this year or however into the future they go, they make it somewhere in this area of the country or somewhere where I'm near that I can get a chance to check this out. All right. I've rambled way, way too long, I believe. So let's just jump into this and hear what Damon Johnson has to say about the return of Brother Kane. Well, before we jump into the the big news that was recently announced, since the last time I talked to you, you played some shows with Leonard Skinner. Like, how did that whole, how did everything come together where they ask you to fill in for Gary? Well, that is all really specifically because of my old friend Ricky Medlock. Um, man, I've been I've been friends with Ricky since. 1993 when brother Kane opened two shows for Blackfoot down in Texas. And, you know, for whatever reason, he just really took a shine to me. He really loved our band. He was a huge fan of Gottner shame. And we just kept in touch over the years. And, um, and then as fate would have it, he wound up joining Skinner himself. I believe that was 96. So anytime they would come through town, you know, he would always call me and I'd go down to the show. Or, you know, and Brother Kane had toured with Leonard Skinner as well in the early 90s. So I, I knew the whole band, you know, specifically Johnny and uh, Michael Carterloni. You know, we, we made some music together. So I don't know, Trent. I just think there was no question, you know, they needed a professional to step in at that moment you know they needed somebody that 
you know, could play the stuff, but also kind of had the right vibe and, and just the right understanding of that music. And I guess what it means, there's tons of great players in the world, you know, but they don't necessarily have like an emotional attachment to the music. And they knew that I certainly had that just based on all the, the things I've done in my career as a guitar player. Um, you know, I've probably on, on your show, bro, I've talked about, you know, the big three for me were Van Halen and Skinner and Thin Lizzy when, uh, you know, when I was a kid. So it was crazy to think that I played with two of those three bands when I, you know, grew up and became a professional. So yeah, that's how it all came together. And, uh, it was, it was fantastic. It was just so great. And I think the thing I'm most proud of is to have Gary's blessing. Gary came down to the show in Atlanta. He sat in on, on the two songs at the end and we spoke for several minutes and, uh, you know, he knows, he knows I love him. He knows, uh, you know, I, he just, he just said, listen, man, you're, you're doing a great job and I'm grateful to you. And, uh, you know, he said, Ricky, Ricky gets credit for, for calling the right guy. So that's a, that's a huge honor for me. Well, obviously you're a professional, but from a fan standpoint, like what was going through your mind during that first, the first show you did with them while you're up there on stage, is it, were you just running through it and getting through it? Or were you up there thinking like, holy shit, this is happening? <laughs> I guess, I guess for me, I was able to draw from my experiences of playing with Alice Cooper and in Thin Lizzy. Um, I think I was a lot more, there was a little more of a holy shit factor with Alice and with Thin Lizzy because it was, you know, with Coop, because I was so new to, I'd never been a sideman ever. And so my first sideman gig is with a rock legend. I was, I was definitely a bit like, wow, what's happening right now? With Thin Lizzy, there was this emotional thing, Trent, as you would expect from me, as much as I love Thin Lizzy. And, um, yeah, that was a no, that was a holy shit thing as well. Skinner was a little different because I knew everyone and I'd had 20 years since Brother Kane of playing on big stages and doing big shows. So there was some of that, but there's no denying that, you know, the show opens with working for MCA and I'm like shoulder to shoulder with Ricky Medlock playing that opening guitar figure, you know, when my Les Paul down past my knees, it was just, man, that's the shit every kid for, especially from Alabama, come on, you know, for a guy like me growing up in the South, uh, discovering Leonard Skinner, uh, you know, before the plane crash, you know, 76, I was in the sixth grade, seventh grade, you know, we were already really steeped in those great songs. So, uh, it's, it's, it's I should write a book, man. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely at this point. Yeah. I should write a book. You know, I mean, people were telling me, when I was doing the promo for battle lessons, you know, they're like, yeah, you should write a book, you, all these things. And now, you know, now the Skinner thing, you add that to the equation. And of course we're going to talk about brother Kane returning to the stage. So uh, I don't know, man, it just feels good to always be moving forward. You know, what's next? What, what are we going to do now? Let's do something cool. What do you got? Let's, 
what ideas can we bounce around? I, I, lo- I live for that, man. I love that. Well, speaking of, of Brother Kane, I mean, I know from, you know, be, me being a fan from a fan standpoint, that's something a lot of us have hoped would happen at some point. What, what made you think right now is the right time to bring this back? Trent, I got to give so much credit to my manager, Kevin. Um, this was really his idea. Uh, I've, I've always maintained that I would never say never to activity with Brother Kane. But he felt like, as you just said, the timing of it is kind of perfect. Um, particularly as we come out of the pandemic, people are getting back, going back to shows, band, you know, all the venues are kind of getting their, getting their rhythm back. Obviously, the Skinner gig was good for my profile. My last record was, was really a solid album and uh, well-received. And just people in the rock community just know that I'm always moving and working and creating and just staying busy. So he said, what, what will it take to, you know, what would make you feel comfortable about doing this? I said, well, it's really simple. I said, it's just got to be great. It has to sound great and be great. And it's got to be fun. I said, as long as those two things are happening, and to say it's got to be fun, the, the broader like subtext of that is, is I don't want to be on the phone all the time and answering emails all the time and having to make every decision about every little thing for, you know, in a, a band like Brother Kane. It's like, look, the, the music speaks for itself. We had a, a really great run in the 90s and I don't want to do anything to like, uh, I guess, taint that. Trent, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, I just don't, I'm not interested in going and playing, you know, the pub down the street because, you know, we can pack it with 50 or 60 people. No, no disrespect to pubs or, or to bands that play there. But, you know, if we're going to stick our chest out and go, Hey, we're going to, you know, brother Kane's going to play some shows. Then I want, I really want my team, you know, management booking, I want them really working hard, man, to see what opportunities we can have to play in front of some, some crowds, some bigger crowds. So um, the best news of all is that the, the response has just been overwhelmingly positive uh, from promoters, from festivals. Um, I mean, I've already gotten straight phone calls from, you know, some of my friends in, in far bigger bands and, and Brother Kane, you know, that have called and said, hey, man, we got to do shows together. This is great. I love it. I love it. So um, it's still very early. It's still so early, man. I just made the, you know, we made the announcement last week, uh, you know, about these two shows we got coming up at the end of April about who's in the band and all of that. So I'm as interested as anybody else <laughs> to yeah. see how it's going to you know, what the future holds and how it's going to roll out. The thought process, it wasn't just to put this together to do something like a special couple shows, that kind of thing. This is like, you're looking at this as being a full project going forward now again. I'm leaving the window open for that. Yes. And it's really going to just dictate to, you know, how many people show up at these shows Are people really interested. Um, for me, uh, as much as I certainly remember the feeling of the success of having songs on the radio, 
two or three songs that did incredible at rock radio. You couldn't, you couldn't turn it on and not hear a Brother King song for a few years there. The big tours that we did with legendary bands. I remember all of that, but I also remember how hard it was for us to build a following. You know, Brother Kane just never was a band that was, we weren't selling out very many venues. You know, it wasn't like there were people lining up around the block to come and see Brother Kane. And I'm not sure I ever really came up with a good understanding of why that was. When you, when you consider how hard we were promoted, our label did a great job. Our management did a great job. We did a great job. But uh, again, as I'm sure you and I have spoken about before on your show, um, Brother Kane was a bit like a band without a genre. We weren't grunge enough for that crowd. We weren't alternative enough for that crowd. And we were too kind of heavy guitar to be a part of like the AAA. You know, several bands, man, were crossing over to different formats. I know, you know, our buddies in the Goo Goo Dolls, Collective Soul, you know, they went beyond rock radio and we're, we're even getting pop stations and things like that. And that we were just this mutt, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we were just these guys from Alabama that just wanted to wear our jeans and and write good songs and play good songs. And uh, that was all happening at a time where you, you kind of needed a little more than that, I guess, to to really build a following. You announced the lineup and you've got Glenn as part of it. Have you been in contact with him this whole time? Or was that like kind of you guys getting back together for the first time in many, many years or. Yeah. Glenn, Glenn and I've always sort of kept in touch, but we really ramped up our interactions uh, right before the pandemic. We started talking a lot and it was, it was all just social, you know, Um, Glenn was going through a lot in his personal life, his, uh, his wife sadly passed away from a heart attack a couple of years ago. And then shortly after that, his, both of his parents, you know, there's of natural causes, they passed away. So he, he'd right. had a, he'd had a rough run. And, and I just felt as long as he wanted to talk about it, I was, I just wanted to make myself available. Hey man, how you doing today? You know, what, what you got, what's on, what you got on your schedule and that kind of stuff. And we would laugh and talk about the past and, you know, whatever. So when my, you know, when my manager, Kevin said, who's going to be in the band, I knew that I wanted Jared Pope on the drums. I've been playing. Jared's been my drummer now since 2007 trip. Yeah. And cause I really wanted everybody to be here in Nashville because it just makes rehearsing simple. It makes travel simple. Um, you know, there's too many variables anyway with this whole thing right now. So I really wanted to just have guys here close by and friends, you know, guys that I had had relationships with. Um, but when I came up, you know, when the whole, I just, one day it just hit me. I was like, wow, what if Glenn Maxey played bass in <laughs> In Brother Kane again, I got really excited. I I knew, you know, kind of where he was at in his life spiritually, you know, with everything he'd been through. And he he was just really doing well, man, and uh, had been working hard. And he'd been playing some music with a really talented Americana artist. And, you know, but the more I thought about it, I was like, man, 
this this would be a win on multiple levels, not the least of which is just the diehard Brother Kane fans be like, oh wow, there's a there's a familiar name. That's a that's a familiar face that we haven't seen. You know, I you know me, man. I've been flogging the boards for 30 years. You know, I I feel like I'm overkill in people's <laughs> face sometimes, but you know, you haven't you haven't really heard much from Glenn. So huge, huge positive feedback, man. Uh, obviously from the fan base, but from people in my personal life, you know, my siblings, my mother, uh, even my kids, my older kids, you know, my daughter, uh, my daughter, Heather, she was just like, what? Glenn Maxie. She's like, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. So, uh, really, really thrilled Trent to have Glenn involved. You mentioned Jared and I mean, that's a, obvious choice because of your chemistry with him and he's been playing these songs for years but was there ever a thought from a historical standpoint of reaching out to scott or is that a was that ever a thought process oh listen man i reached out to all the guys you know and i just said hey look i'm gonna start moving this ball forward i've got no idea where it's gonna go what this is gonna lead to certainly would love to play with all those guys Anytime, man. You know, we've we all keep in touch. Um, you know, it's just it's really simple. Everyone's very busy. Uh, geography is an issue. Everybody's spread out, and um, you know, I'm already in one band for 2022, where everybody has to fly in to rehearse, and that's Skinner. I'm gonna I'm gonna be playing with Skinner again in 2022. Okay. Uh, yeah, filling filling in for Gary. So. I, it's just like when I was in Alice Cooper, Thin Lizzy, it's like just to have band practice, it's a lot of work to get it, yeah. <laughs> to get everybody together. So I just knew, man, that, you know, let's, let's tackle that challenge later. If this brother King thing really begins to gather some steam and, 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 you know, that, that there's some interest in, people coming to see the band and some interest in some festivals having us on or, you know, whatever, man, we're going to see. Yeah. I know, I know in the press release for it, it mentioned recording music. So that's, there's been talks of that as well. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm always writing. Uh, you know, if you put a gun in my head right now and say, Hey man, you got to spit out a brother Kane record next week. I could do it. <laughs> I could do it. No problem. Uh, I can't, I can't tell you what well, the songs are going to be better than the ones we had, you know, no, I, I, to make a brother Kane record, I'd want to do like we used to do. I'd want to write 30 songs and, you know, pick the best 10 or 11 to, to make a record with, but, you know, just as an artist, Trent, I'm, I'm not interested in only looking back. I, I I'd love to make some new music. Um, you know, better than anybody. The songs on the last two records I put out, so any of those songs could have been a Brother Kane song. Yeah. You know, the guitar, the guitar energy is there, the big courses, the melodic vocal lines, all of that. It's all there, man. Uh, they, there's not one song on Battle Lessons or Memoirs of an Uprising that I wouldn't have come to the original Brother Kane guys and said, hey, check this out. Yeah. Well, so besides the, the two shows you've got, already announced and you mentioned some festivals i mean are you guys looking at filling 2022 up with as much shows as 
possible or? Well, yeah, I mean, we're definitely looking to playing often. Um, We're, no, I just don't know that, I don't think anybody's really looking to like, hey, we got to do a run. It's got to be 40 shows and let's, let's string them all together and we'll just do seven weeks of touring. I know. I don't I don't know that I want to do that ever again if I can control that trip. Um, you know, Skinner doesn't roll like that. I haven't been doing that with my solo stuff. I'd love to go out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, because that's when, come on, let's be real. That's when my my fan base, <laughs> you know, that's when they like to go out to shows. They're not going to concerts on a on a Tuesday night. They're really not. I'm I just I, my feet are firmly planted in in reality about that so it really speaks to everyone's personal life too that 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 really works great play on the weekends you're back home on sunday and, and you can be with your family and do your other stuff so um but the skinner schedule looks like it's only going to be about 30 shows so that math is kind of easy that's going to be about 15 weekends right there so that leaves a lot of options for when we can go out and do some brother Kane dates. Um, you know, man, if, if we were trying to tiptoe around an Alice Cooper schedule or a black star writer schedule, there's no way I could entertain the brother Kane thing because, you know, those bands do tour for weeks and weeks at a time. And, um, you know, that's, that's really how I used to have to treat my solo career. It's just it, my solo career was a side project. I don't want Brother Kane to just be a side project. I want it, I want it to be musically super quality um, and, and only play shows that are quality, you know, good venues and, and get to places where people, you know, people would want to come. And even if they're coming from out of town, I mean, that's what's great about these first two shows, Trent, Joliet, which is essentially a Chicago suburb, and then Milwaukee. Both those towns, man, Brother Kane has big fan base and, and, you know, those people are showing up, you know, the venues are, are happy, tickets are selling and, and people are coming. So uh, I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deny it, man. I'm really thrilled that that's the reaction that, that we're getting. And um, yeah, the timing is good. And more importantly, I just got a good team around me, brother. It's great to have Kevin and, my, my book and agent Jim, he there. Everybody's kind of on the same page. And, um, working in Congress it feels feels good. Absolutely. Will the get ready? Will you guys be working throughout this year on new music as well? Yeah, man. I mean, the get ready is something I want to do forever. Um, I love being in a trio. I think that you know the cool thing about the get ready is I feel like I can use that as a as a conduit to pl- to celebrate all the music for my entire career. Um, I mean, ironically, the, the brother Kane guys are like, Hey, we got to play shivering, shivering, and we have to play battle lessons, you know, and, and I'm not opposed to that. And, uh, you know, because that is the most recent rock, you know, hard rock music that I've put out, but um I just, you know, look, man, I love to just jump in the Suburban, throw the gear in the back and go play two or three shows uh, with the trio. It's, it's cool, man. It's, it's simple and 
uh, is fun for me. And um, it's a real efficient operation that the get ready is. And I still, someone asked me just last week, you know, they was said, Hey man, what's your favorite, what's your favorite record you've ever made? And I said, that's easy. That's the last one. Battle lessons. I said, that's, that's my favorite record I've ever done my whole career, top to bottom. Um, I still listen to it myself just for my own enjoyment. You know, I got playlists that's got, you know, the black keys and clutch and Queens of the stone age and Arctic monkeys. And then there's battle lessons songs <laughs> in there too. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's, I really appreciate the people Trent that have said, well, what does this mean about the get ready? What about the get ready? Uh, without a doubt, man, that's, uh, you know, to, to, to just continuing to work and perform between the get ready and brother Kane. Uh, that's a full plate in a great way. It's very fulfilling me, fulfilling for me creatively. And, you know, all the guys I'm playing with are, they're, they're excited about, excited about it as well. Um, you know, the big question mark is the Skinner situation simply because I love that so much. I love being a part of that. Um, it's just the biggest honor of my career, bro. And, um, I just feel very special that they would pick me. They would reach out to me to fill a very hallowed spot. You know, no one ever has filled in for Gary Rosington for all the changes in the band and the original members and, um, you know, just time and, um, you know, Noah, Gary's been there. That's been his spot, man, since that band started in the early 70s, right out of high school. Um, so it's, I don't take that lightly. And I'm very proud of, of it. And I want to bring my A game every single time we tee it up. And uh, just, you know, to get, to get an endorsement from, from Johnny Van Zandt and Ricky Medlock, um, you know, those guys, especially, man, those are, those guys have, they've done such an incredible job of bringing that music to that amazing fan base. You know, those are just some of the most timeless classic rock songs ever. Um, you know what I mean? Like if you made a list of the top 200 classic rock songs of all time, there are 12 Leonard Skinner songs <laughs> in, <laughs> right. in that list. I'm just telling you, there is. That's nuts. That's that's just nuts. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see, man. We'll see. Well, I know. I know. Up until the you know before the pandemic, Thin Lizzy was doing shows in the summer. Are you still a part of that? Like, and is that something you have to work around coming this summer or next summer? Yeah, it's funny. Someone said the other day. They said, "Man, you're a you're becoming the guitar version of Mike Portnoy. You got <laughs> you got." You got too many bands, man. There's too much <laughs> happening. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm so thrilled that I've been a part of that. And, and, you know, I'm planning to continue to be. It will be a scheduling issue at some point. Uh, I know Scott Gorham really was thinking, even talking in interviews, that he wanted to try to do some stuff in 22. But I think that's going to get pushed back until next year now. Trent. So 
you know, we'll just, uh, we'll see. I, uh, I'm really excited to, to not know what the future holds. I just know there's a lot of potential uh, for some great music, some great shows. And kind of the way it's been over the last two weeks since making the Brother Kane announcement, I'll, I'll open my laptop and like there's some insane email, you know, from a big festival on the West Coast that, hey, we have to have Brother Kane and who do I talk to? And, you know, that's the other thing that is fun for me is just being a being in the business professionally for so long. I've, I have a lot of relationships uh, musically, business wise, whatever. And it's just been fun to the outpouring of, of hell. Yeah. From everybody. I mean, fucking Michael Anthony called me, you know, he's like, Oh, you're getting the band back together. Man, if you make a record, you gotta let me come sing backups. I'm like, Michael, okay. of course I'll let you <laughs> come and sing backups. We would demand that you come and be a part. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, um, well, yeah, I saw your post yesterday about where you were hanging out with Michael and Sammy. Was that yeah, something they, that just by chance happened or was that a well, plan? Yeah, well, yeah, they, they had a show scheduled here. They played the Ryman Auditorium and just fucking tore the roof off me. And I haven't seen, I haven't seen Sammy play. I haven't seen him play a show in person, you know, since the nineties, it's been forever. I mean, I, he and I, you know, we wrote together right after he left Van Halen and I played on a couple songs on that record, Marching to Mars. And, um, man, I didn't see Sammy again. It was 20 years almost. And, uh, cause you know, everybody's always busy and you're going different directions. So, but we had communicated and he invited me down and it was just great. Just great. Cause I'm, I'm really good friends with all four of those guys, you know, with Michael, also Jason Bonham. We had done, we did a session together a year ago uh, with a talented friend of ours. So we played on that together. It was great. And then Vic Johnson, fucking Sammy's guitar player. Jesus Christ, man. That guy is just ridiculously talented, man. He nails everything he nails the van halen stuff the standing hampton i can't drive 55 stuff and then he nails all the montrose and and that early stuff as well it man that guy just put on a guitar clinic on, on tuesday night it was it was awesome final question for you i i just saw a little while ago a post you made about the damon johnson show and i hadn't heard i don't know if that was announced previously but i hadn't heard about that until today so yeah. talk a second about that real quick. Yeah, I mean, I have an old friend, old radio friend, my buddy Tony Curry. He was he was the popular disc jockey at the Classic Rock Station in Birmingham for decades. And, you know, we've been friends since I first moved to town in like 1987. So he's seen everything with my career trajectory. Um, so he started his own kind of satellite radio thing, digital radio. And uh, it was his idea. He says, man, what do you think? I'm going to give you your own show and we'll just do a list of different stuff every week. And, um, you know, it's, it's starting off great. It's a little primitive, you know, I'm, I'm not really set up here at my house. I, I need to get a better, I need to get a better interface Trent so I can, 
can make it sound, you know, like Howard Stern or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's a lot of fun. And I take each episode really serious, you know, like he'll say, all right, this week we're going to, you know, your six favorite Leonard Skinner songs. And of course I'll list them and talk about them. Uh, all kinds of stuff, man. So he finally was able to accomplish getting that show onto Spotify because it's all about streaming. You know that with your show, it, people got to be able to call it up at will. It's not like, oh, you have to tune in on Tuesday night at seven o'clock. Nobody yeah. does that anymore, man. You got to be able to pull it up anytime. So he's finally got that going. And uh, it's, um, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's tough to fit everything in the schedule right now. I won't kid you. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, there's three episodes up right now. People can go to Spotify, listen for free, check it out. And, um, I don't know, man. I just... I got my my radar up, Trent. I don't want to. I don't want to be guilty of overexposure. I know what it's like to get sick of hearing about someone or their activities. It's like, oh, dude, give it a rest. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I don't else. think that'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, the, I'm uh, the idea on the show to just kind of make it a discussion, like those first three episodes are. Or are you looking to yeah. interview people at some point, or maybe down the road. Goes? Yeah, maybe down the road I could get into an interview thing. I think that would be a lot of fun for everybody, for me especially. You know, to have Alice Cooper on for 30 minutes, just no big heavy thing, no deep dive career thing. That's just being friends and talking about golf and talk about Diet Cokes and Twizzlers and all the stuff he loves. And <laughs> uh, Yeah, there's definitely a few people I could have on. It would, it would be fun. It would be fun. Well, man, I appreciate you joining me once again. And I know next year would be the 30th anniversary of your debut album. So that might be something else for Brother Kane to look forward to as well. Oh, brother, I'm, way, I'm <laughs> way ahead of you on that one, Trent. No surprise. We're, okay. <laughs> there's a lot of conversation about that. And, uh, you know, everybody, myself included, would love to have those albums on vinyl. They were never released on vinyl. So we're trying to make some efforts in that regard too. So uh, we'll see what happens, man. But uh, you know me by now, man, I'll be thrilled to come on and talk with you about it. Once, uh, once we get some of that stuff happening, I appreciate you having me on today. There you go. Damon Johnson of brother Kane. I think the other times I've had him on here or excuse me, we've had him on here. Cause it's the first time it's been just me. All the previous times, Jason was still a part of the podcast, but so, I believe every other time that he's been on this podcast, I could always say Damon Johnson of Thin Lizzy, Damon Johnson and the Get Ready, and formerly of Brother Kane and Black Star Writers. But now we can once again say of Brother Kane since the entity is back. As you heard there, Glenn Maxey is back, an original founding member of Brother Kane, the original bassist who has not been, obviously, a part of it since after the first album. So that is very cool that he's back. You heard Damon there talk about them reconnecting and what Glenn's been up to and the formation of putting this band together and how it came about and all that great stuff. A huge thank you to Jody Best of Best Bet Promotions for her unwavered support of this podcast. Like I mentioned several times, 
up front on this podcast episode that Damon Johnson has been on here five times before. So if you're a big fan and you just stumbled across this, you might want to check out episode 170. That's Damon with Ricky Warwick. And that was about 30 minutes. And I know in that one, besides just Black Star Writers, we discussed a little bit about Brother Kane. And we also discussed a little bit about some of Ricky's solo stuff. Which, by the way, Ricky Warwick put out a new solo album last year. Right around the same time Damon Johnson did. I think it was actually the same day. Because we talked about that last time it was on here. It's fantastic as well. Ricky Warwick is a wildly underrated musician when it comes to songwriting and musicianship, just like just like Damon Johnson. So when those two were together in Black Star Writers, my head was exploding for years straight. Anyway, like I said, 170 with those two. Damon's also been on here episode 216, 295, and actually I say 295, 292 was the Eddie Van Halen episode, I believe, and then 295 was just Damon. And then most recently, episode 323, and here we are. That was just 20 episodes ago. Anyway, besides Damon, there's been tons of great artists on this podcast that you could go back and check out if you haven't. Glenn Hughes, one of the finest voices in the history of rock and roll. I would put him on the Mount Rushmore of rock and roll vocalists. He has been on here before. We've also had Frank Hannon of Tesla on here three different times. Like I said, he was on that Eddie Van Halen episode. Kenny Hickey of Typo Negative. Dizzy Reed of Guns N' Roses. Gene Simmons of Kiss. Bruce Kulick, formerly of Kiss. Let's see. Joey Allen of Warrant. Robert Mason of Warrant. Robert Mason is also in The End Machine with the guys from Dockin'. He's also been a part of a ton of other great stuff as well. We've also had on members of Crozen and Conformity, Clutch, Kicks, L.A. Guns, Junkyard, Europe, Nelson, Helmet, Sons of Texas, Devil Driver. This list is great and long, my friends. Shooter Jennings, Vanilla Ice. I mean, come on. How can you go wrong with that? Just dig through it all, thethunderunderground.com. You can see everything there. You can listen there. You can buy stuff there. You can find all the socials there. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Like, follow. Anytime you see something, like, retweet, comment, whatever. All that stuff greatly helps out. It's the, the an easy, free way to help us out. Wherever you're listening to this right now, like, follow, subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. We're pretty much everywhere podcasts are heard for the most part. Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, all that great stuff. Like I mentioned earlier, brand new upcoming episodes featuring Lejean Witherspoon of Seven Dust, Ty Tabor of King's X, Ron Keel of the Ron Keel Band Keel and Steeler. Now I also got a couple more coming soon. So be on the lookout for all that. I think that covers it for another one. Once again, a huge thank you to Damon Johnson. Best Bet Promotions, Sunset Tattoo, Med Farm, and DEB Concerts. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all. Thunder Underground.